What is the unpardonable sin? Is it the denial of Christ or is it something on a much larger scale? This week, we are discussing different perspectives behind the unpardonable or the unforgiven sin. We explore different adaptations of verses, various opinions on how to interpret these scriptures, and what it means to deny the Holy Spirit in others. This question was sent in by a fellow listener, and as we share the myriad of understandings of the Gospels, we hope you are able to find what speaks truth to you. As we look to each verse, we find new ways of understanding who the Holy Spirit is to us and how the Holy Spirit works through us. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, my name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And you're listening to The Reckless Pursuit. And today we are not talking about holiday stuff, which is kind of nice because we've been at this for almost three years now and it's good to get a break because we always do big holiday things. Uh, just got through with our Halloween thing, did something for Thanksgiving. We did something for Thanksgiving, didn't we? Stuff, yeah, we did yeah. all that. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. So things that have been relevant and, and, and in the social and public eye, we have really talked heavily about, but we decided to go with something a little different this week. Well, yeah, and we had a really good question come in um, from one of our TikTok. Instagram. Uh, Instagram? Instagram. Instagram, okay. Cool. I forgot that we're using Instagram again. So we're back on Instagram. Yep. Follow <laughs> us at, what's our handle on Instagram? Is it underscore TRP podcast? Yes. Yes. At underscore TRP for the Reckless Pursuit TRP podcast. Uh, yeah, so we're back on Instagram, uh, getting after it, I think, over there. And, of course, TikTok, as always. And that's where you can mostly find us nowadays. Of course, there's always Nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions. Trying to figure out a little bit of what we're going to do with that in the future because, honestly, we're trying to pull away from Facebook a bit. But you can, of course, connect with us there as well. Wherever you choose to connect with us, we will do our best to connect back with you because we want to hear from you guys. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the unpardonable sin. Uh, that thing that is just not forgivable. And oh my word, I have heard a few different teachings on this in my time. In my little bit of research I was doing on this topic beforehand, I read a bunch more perspectives. And Elaine and I are coming in loaded with some notes. And uh, actually took my own notes this time. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Normally you're like, it's either like I take notes or you take notes, but we both came yes. with notes this mm -hmm. time. And we, we didn't uh, pre-discuss what our notes are, so we may have some overlap or we may have some notes that are completely not what each other found. So let's just get right into this conversation on the unpardonable sin. I want to preface this by saying I am not wanting to go into this episode telling you what to believe on this subject or any episode yeah that's that's true but like specifically this one topic uh i i personally um i can tell you what i personally ascribe personally ascribe to at the end of this episode uh, i i just i don't want to go into this saying like you have to do this right like you need to believe this, this you need to do that way i, I want to present a bunch of of perspectives to you and for you to pick that for yourself. But I will say this. 
and preface this, and I feel like I'm speaking confidently enough when I say this. If you have to be concerned that you have committed the unpardonable, unpardonable, I cannot say that word. Just say unforgivable. Unpardonable sin, the abominable sin. <laughs> I always try, if I know that there's an alternative word that's easier to say, I try to stay away from it's big unpardonable. words. It's unpardonable. That but is the word. But it's also the unforgivable. Unforgivable. Ah, the unforgivable. <laughs> if you the happen to, sin. I, I am now naming it the uh, abominable sin. Yes. In honor of Christmas season and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and that Yeti mm. that used to terrify me as a child, I would cry every time. And it now came you on like TV. openly chase it. I love the idea of Yetis and Bigfoots. Anyway, anyway that is not no. what we're talking about. The abominable sin. Or unpardonable sin. Uh, I, I do want to say with confidence, if you have to ask yourself, have I committed it? You haven't. Uh, that's not something that you commit openly. It's not like that. Uh, it's not. It's, it's, I have a few different perspectives on what it is. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure what I 100% believe it is as well, but I do know what my current reigning theory is on it, which I will get to toward the end of this episode. But so let's just, I was going to say, ahead. the specific question that came in was about Matthew 12 mm, yeah 12 22 yeah, through, that was that was the scripture yeah, that was presented to me yeah. and they were talking about how they couldn't make sense of the scripture and that they just wanted some uh, either a new perspective or alternative perspectives of what this meant because they were kind of confused and my initial thought was like actually yeah it's kind of confusing just like a lot of the bible mm -hmm. and so like one like it's not bad to be confused about scripture because that happens yeah, I I was reading on through this, and there's a couple different versions that appear in the Bible. Like most of the Gospels, they kind of are very repetitive. <laughs> I prefer Matthew's because it adds a little detail in there that I find very interesting that I'm about to get to uh, to open this up. But let's just read through Matthew 12, um, 22 through... Uh, well, I have down through 37. I'll see how far I get. I was going to say her specific question was 31 through 32. That's so where it talks about context. It. Yeah. Well, I'm always for context Yeah. because I don't think one-off scriptures do any justice Yeah. pretty much ever. Uh, it, you can't open up Lord of the Rings and pick out a random verse and say like, wow, this explains this entire story or the same thing with Harry Potter or... The same thing Narnia. with the Quran, or <laughs> yeah. if your book was a life story and you flipped it to your 18th birthday and picked out one little, you know, snippet of your 18th birthday, that doesn't define your entire life. So it's foolish to to look at one verse. Like we love one-off verses. We've come to just have this infatuation with. It's like the live, laugh, love of Christianity. Like, but Matthew, if you a know, specific verse speaks life to you and it's a one-off verse, like. I don't think that's wrong. I don't either, as long as you understand the context of the verse. Like, and verses can speak life to you. That's fine. Like, uh, you know, like if you have a life verse and you like put it on a canvas or make others, it like, like your background on your uh, phone because that's like how God's speaking to you in that moment. Like, that's not wrong. No, it's not wrong. But not understanding and using verses out of their contextual guidelines, especially in an argument, is it's not wrong, but it's ignorant. Okay, I'll say that. Like, I'm not going to say it's a sin, but well, it is oftentimes, ignorant. Because like what we've talked about is like, uh, don't make, uh, don't drop Bible verses to end a conversation. Mm -hmm. If you're going to drop a Bible verse, like make that be the, the start, yeah, the opener and the yeah. start of a conversation. And I feel like so often we see that online is like, well, the Bible clearly says this in this verse, and it's like actually, 
one, it probably isn't as clear as you think it is. Yep. And two, like, do you know the context before and after and and the story behind what that verse is pertaining yep. to? Now that we've spent three minutes explaining why you should give context, let's just read this. And then I'm going to outline the few topics that I have that I want to cover. And then I'm going to let you kind of interject on those, too, because you have a lot of notes. And I have it kind of broken down, like, linearly of, like, what direction I want to go. So I want to make sure your notes, I don't want to, like, take over everything. So let me just read this and then we'll go from there i really like all the orange you're wearing by the way sorry that's completely unrelevant irrelevant abominable the abominable sin matthew 12 22 then a demon oppressed man i know some of those who was blind and mute was brought to him him being jesus and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw and all the people were amazed and said can this be the son of david I was thinking about Bathsheba while I was taking a shower today. Not That sounds so bad. That sounded very wrong. <laughs> I was taking a shower and was thinking about another woman taking a shower. I was thinking about the rubber ducky episode mm-hmm. of <laughs> Veggie Tales and how they actually did a pretty good job of exemplifying David's lust instead of putting it on yeah. Bathsheba because it's so often we're taught that it's Bathsheba's fault. Sorry. Completely irrelevant. But David and then I made that sound weird. Okay. Rubber ducky, yes. Uh, <clears throat> veggie tales, wow, okay. Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, or Beelzebub, I think is how I'm used to saying that, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Ooh, throwing shade. Therefore, therefore they will be your judges. We're at verse 28. But it is, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. I want to keep going just a little bit here because I want to reach back to this. So I want to go ahead and read it since I'm, I'm reading this section anyway. Verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, <sighs> whoop snakes. Sorry, that was, we watched Abominable Snowman movie the other, I don't know, it was the DreamWorks movie, and I just have it in my head right now. I'm just completely irrelevant. Let me go back to this thing. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. So, I want to outline this, starting with popular views, then going into explaining who the Holy Spirit even is, then we can talk about where the Holy Spirit resides, 
And then I want to talk about the actual unpardonable sin and what it, 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 it kind of is, I guess, or what my thoughts on it toward the end or our thoughts are toward the end. So where do you want to start with that? Because I don't want to like just lock down your notes because you had a bunch of notes mm. there. So where would well, you like to start? I was, I was going to say originally, like growing up, originally for me, without context, without me like diving into scripture specifically, all that stuff. Growing up, I always thought that the unforgiven, unforgiven, <laughs> the unforgiven sin was that you just denied Christ, yep. that you just weren't a Christian, that you died and you never gave your life to God. That's what I always assumed it was. Yep. And whenever I got the question of what is this, what is Matthew specifically saying like in this verse, I had an epiphany of one. It Matthew's does, not saying anything in this verse, by the way. This is Jesus. Yeah, but the verse, in, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, okay. like what the verse is Just wanted is to saying. clarify for anyone who is curious. But what the verse is saying, and whenever I read it, I was like, actually, it doesn't say anything about denying Christ. Nope. Like there's there's nothing in that specific verse that says you deny Christ. And so I was like, well, what does it mean? Because Jesus says you can blaspheme, you can have sin, all this stuff. It's all for like forgiven, except for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And then I was like, well, that doesn't even say God. That doesn't even say denial of God or denial of Jesus. That says denial of Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And then it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What relevance is the Holy Spirit above God, above Jesus? Well, and this is actually where I want to get into. Um, so basically, let's talk about this first. The word blaspheme is to speak irreverently about sacred things. So that's the the dictionary's example, like exa example of what blaspheme is. Basically, insulting, showing contempt, uh, lack of reverence, basically showing no regard for. Okay. So that's a good thing to understand contextually what we're talking about. Uh, I, I do think what you're saying is super interesting because I wanted to try. I was actually going to get into that in just a second on who is the Holy Spirit. So let me run over the popular views real quick of what this verse means, and then let's talk about who the Holy Spirit even is because that'll help us a lot. So popular views on this specific verse. Some people uh, refer to it as committing murder or adultery or like a sin like that. And I think this is an interesting point of view because I don't agree that that is uh, committing an unpardonable sin. As a matter of fact, that would almost be completely irrelevant because Jesus on the cross offered salvation to not only a thief, but also a murderer. And the murderer denied it, but he offered it freely. Well, and Paul. Yeah, Paul Mur was a murderer. Murdered Christians. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's kind of silly to to say that it's something like that, but there is a really interesting route to that that I'm going to circle back to uh, toward the end of this conversation. The next thing is cursing God or using God's name in vain, uh, but that's disqualified when you read through Matthew's version as opposed to Mark. Mark's version does, from my understanding, it may, but from what I just read, I don't think it includes the part of saying like Jesus is basically like, you can even speak negatively about me, but you can't against the Holy Spirit. So it's not necessarily saying cursing God. Um, I think many of us have argued and struggled and been mad at God. We've seen that throughout the Bible as well. People mad and cursing, fighting God, you know, even, uh, you know, people's names being changed because they wrestled with God. Like there is this, this constant thing. God even of, changing his mind or his decision on certain things because they wrestled with God. Yes. And because of their anger and how frustrated they were with God. So this isn't an uncommon thing to be, to be mad or to 
curse God's decisions or to to want to uh, to want to do that. Even <clears throat> I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's definitely something it's a that's real happened. and human emotion, right? And so that's not necessarily it either. Another popular view is the one you just mentioned: not accepting Christ. That seems to be a common one, even though. <clears throat> Technically, it says, it doesn't really say, it's, it's about the Holy Spirit, as if the Holy Spirit is its own entity. Uh, and so, Jesus, you know, says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So, like, I, I don't know how that would necessarily, like, completely fit the bill either. And then uh, some people... And I, I kind of paraphrase this here just for iron, uh, irony's sake, but it's referring to the Holy Spirit by improper pronouns. <laughs> and so, like, I had read a view online today about how some people believe blaspheming the Holy Spirit is to call uh, the Spirit it mm-hmm. uh, instead of using he, which is hilarious. But <sighs> come on. I don't think God is God is not gendered. That's ridiculous. Well, that and God's not that nitpicky or I don't believe you called me an it. You died. Well, I don't sucker. believe the Holy Spirit because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, not God. Essentially, a separating God from the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. Yeah. So, uh, and then the 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 next thing, and this is actually one that I find more interesting and more likely is giving credit to Satan that with the, which the Holy Spirit did. And if you read the context, that's kind of what he's saying. Basically, Jesus is like heals this dude. And all these people are like, whoa, he just did that with the power of Satan. He must be a Satanist or, you know, a satanic mindset. And Jesus is like, why would Satan cast out Satan to prove Satan? Or like, why would I do this in the name of Beelzebul whenever uh, like that? What's more likely that I would stand against myself and divide my own house and make myself less than or that the kingdom of God is actually before you and like, I can't even speak of God's authority if I wasn't using God's authority here. Like, that's silly. Like, you're blaspheming the Spirit by denying the work that the Spirit has done, if that makes any sense. And there's a lot of, there's like I said, there's a whole lot I want to wrap back into this. So I was going to say, because, like, my notes, it says, like, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders accused Jesus of being demon-possessed. And how one of the things that I read was saying that blaspheming the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit is, like you said, giving credit to Satan for the Holy Spirit's doings and denying the work of the Holy Spirit through Christ. And from what I I read, different articles, and they were saying, like, quote, the empirical evidence or the proof that the Holy Spirit was working through Jesus, they still denied that it was the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I do want to talk for just a second about what that definition of spirit is. And the, the best thing I can kind of pull from the, the Greek word here is it basically means a breezy breath. And so there's a lot of interesting uh, assimilation to Genesis of the breath of life and how man is the inhabited breath of life or we are the inhabited spirit of Christ. And, and that's a very interesting point that kind of ties into where this episode is wrapping up at. But I want to kind of move on of who is the Holy Spirit. So... This actually challenges me a little bit because I always view uh, the Trinity. That's what I grew up understanding and believing is the Trinity is Trinitarianism. You know, like you have God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one. They are all the same. 
yet they are all unique, different aspects. You have the spiritual aspect, you have the the ruling aspect, and then you have the man, like the God man aspect, right? And it's it's literally mind, soul, and or body, soul, and spirit, if you will. You have soul, which is God's spirit, and then body, which is Christ. Uh, I've always really like, I mean, just like that's always like sat well with me. It's always vibed well with me, if you want to say that. Uh, I've always appreciated that. I also know there was a large section of early Christians who did not believe in the Trinity. So to say the Trinity is by and large the only like complete view it isn't necessarily true. If I remember right, uh, St. Nicholas actually got in an argument, a fist fight with someone over this exact thing when they were trying to put together uh, rules for, I don't know if it was Council of Nicaea. I could be confusing. I don't think it was that one, but whatever the initial council was, uh, St. Nicholas, who we get the the tradition of of Santa Claus, literally got in a fist fight with a guy in the middle of trying to do this because he disagreed on the guy's views of the Trinity. So this is a highly, <laughs> you know, the Trinity is a bit of a historically um, hot topic. <laughs> yeah, amongst Christians. This isn't like, you know, I mean, these were saints uh, of <laughs> the early church and they could not agree on this view. It's pretty widely accepted that the Trinity is a mixture of all three of these people, uh, but three in one, right? Uh, but I don't know. This verse right here is kind of hard to sit with that because it says uh, the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever, like, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks a word against the Holy Spirit will not be for- forgiven. Well, that's like me telling you, Elaine, while like, you know, your body is smoking and, uh, you know, I really love your spirit. But you need to work on your brain, and it's just not there. Like, I'm sorry, but I think you probably find that insulting to all of you. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, well, the other two parts of me are happy with that. I guess I can, like, or, like, dang, babe, like, your brain is missing it, but your body and spirit are, are, are really nice. Or And you're like, oh, well, that's unforgivable. But if I told you that you were um, ugly, but you had a nice brain and nice heart— you're like, oh, that's forgivable. I can, I can, I can look past that. No, I'm insulting a part of you, so I have to, in, like, by insulting a part of someone. I, I don't. I, I love all yes, of you. You I are know. smoking hot, <laughs> I and I love your brain and heart. Uh, but I, I, I don't understand that. I guess, like, I, I wrestle with that a little bit. Well, and one of the things that I was reading was that, like, kind of how you had started this entire episode out is like, one, if you think. Or if you were afraid that you have made this sin, you haven't. Right. I've also read that Christians can't make this sin, that it's impossible for Christians to make the sin. And it's also pos- it's also impossible for unbelievers to make this sin because they never accepted Christ once before. And if they, like all the stuff that I was reading was that when you blaspheme the spirit, that means you understand the truth, but you deny it. If you are an unbeliever and you were never like told about God or whatever, you're ignorant in that. You're ignorant of the teachings of God. Therefore, you can't deny it because you don't know. Well, I don't know that I believe that either because that 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 creates a double bind. Because if you never know and you are not a Christian, like if you're not, if you're if you're an unbeliever and you never know, then you can't commit that. But if you do know, you also can't commit that. Then that just means that it's 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 superfluous to even have been mentioned, and it would not serve a purpose. That I also read 
that only in the Bible was it possible because, well, only Jesus during- Jesus was on earth? In the New Testament, Jesus was on earth and that people could deny or accept that as truth. But now, like here in the now, we can't neither deny or accept it as truth because Christ physically isn't walking this earth. Well, there's an interesting point of view to that too. Uh, and let me see if I have this. I think I had actually wrote down this Bible verse to get into. Yeah, so this was actually my next point that you say that is uh, the Holy Spirit, also known as the helper or the advocate. And so in John 14, 26, uh, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit will come, uh, who the Father will send in my name will teach you all the things to remind you of everything that I've told you. Uh, right before that, Jesus actually says, I have to go. It is good for me to leave this earth because without me leaving, the Holy Spirit cannot come. And so that's an interesting perspective in the sense of like, when all this was going on in Matthew or whichever verse you're reading, because Jesus was walking the earth, the Holy Spirit was not anywhere but with Christ. Because when Christ was baptized, what is it? The Spirit defended, uh, defended maybe, the Spirit descended upon Jesus's shoulders as a dove, Right. And so, like, Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit, but he was the only one who walked, and he had to leave the earth for the Spirit to be released upon the for people everyone. for everyone else. And so, at the time, them denying, it's because the Spirit wasn't loose to open truth, open human truth. And so, there is there is a possibility to that. That is a way to look at that as well. So, denying the Spirit is denying the ability to move or to work, like, in, through through Christ or through people? Maybe. And like I said, I, I kind of want to tie back to that. But I, I think that there's, I think, like I said, I have my view, but these are all potential views. But there is a very good chance that it was reserved only for that moment when Christ was walking the earth because they were denying the coming of the Savior. They were denying that he was there. They were looking at God and saying, you can't be God. But going back to the Trinity thing, I really struggle because if the Holy Spirit is God and you insult or blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, but it's okay to blaspheme against Christ and that can be forgiven, but not against the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like God is saying, you cannot love me. I don't care. I still forgive you even if you hate me, but you can't deny that root goodness in the earth. You can't deny. If you turn a blind eye toward hope against hope and faith, you know, it talks about the, the spirit uh, gives gifts, right? Uh, like the spirit of discernment, the spirit of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, however you want to interpret that interpretation, uh, you know, the speaking of prophecy and like all these different spiritual gifts, right? It says the spirit is a giver of gifts. So uh, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts, you see an outpouring across humanity of understanding, a new understanding of who God is and what God is. And so in essence, like, it's almost as if Jesus was saying, you know, you can deny me a man standing in front of you, but it is impossible for you to deny, uh, ignorantly deny the work of God. You cannot attribute. You know, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like you can't deny that this is his work because I see the spirit as if like God's manifested intent. Right. And so like if you have God. And then he's like, I will this to be done. Then that is his spirit reaching out to do that thing. So how does one uh, deny seeing God in front of them? And I have a very interesting point. I want to get to that. Like I said, that I really feel like this sums up where God has been showing me. And this may be my truth. I don't know if it's someone else's or not. But 
uh, going on, so we just talked about the helper and the advocate, and then the giver of spiritual gifts. So I actually just hit on all three of those points. Thank you. You opened that door for me. So the next thing I want to read real quick is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's not that long. Uh, and you show that you are, uh, well, almost the whole chapter. I'm starting at like verse 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. So this right here is saying that quite literally, humanity is uh, is this is literally like the quill, or like the spirit of God is the quill writing on on human hearts, right? Such is the confidence that we have thought. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. This is an interesting thing. That verse right there is saying all of this ritualistic bullcrap kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. So maybe even talking blaspheming the spirit is to deny the freedom of Christ, to deny the freedom of the spirit of humanity. We're not bound by the sacrificial, this, this, uh, this law. It's it's basically to deny the freedom of Christ and to say, uh, I'm still bound in these laws. And that's an interesting take because that explains a lot in the sense of most people see not like this goes back to what you were saying. Most people see non-believers as the ones who are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was not targeting non-believers. Yeah. He was targeting believers. And that's a whole the other ball game. religious leaders. He's targeting the most religious people but there. But didn't he target them basically all through the Gospels? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, the God entire Gospels is basically like God versus the people who think that they love him. Ch- you know, chapters 1 through 50. So, but this is so interesting. The letter kills. It's talking about the Holy Spirit as a quill writing on the hearts of man, not on stone tablets. That's a reference to the Ten Commandments. Yep. That is a reference to the law in Le- the Levitical laws and through Exodus, through Deuteronomy, basically talking about all the different laws that the people followed. We don't write on tablets. We write on human hearts. This is basically saying, screw all your stupid little things you know. If you're not relating to people, then you are not relating to Christ. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. Let's always talk about whenever they're talking about death, it's not physical death we're talking about. Most of the time in the Bible, most of the time, uh, why would you talk about a physical death whenever the entire emphasis is on a spiritual realm? You know, we all know physical death awaits us. That's not a, a mystery to Christianity or to humanity for that matter. So this is talking about spiritual death, right? This is talking about uh, hell, if you want to call it that, or in my my personal belief of hell being basically like, the the dissipation of the soul like it doesn't there is no eternity of the soul it's just it's it's an end of life it's a you know it's a soul that has been wasted if you will say and so that's my opinion i'm not trying to project that but that is that's kind of where i stand on hell and stuff like that and so like you have this saying for the letter kills the spirit gives life just wanted to really push that now if the ministry of death that is the most metal sounding thing ever (laughs) carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? He just 
that's mind blowing. They just called the law that supposedly came from God in the Old Testament, right? Moses went up there and like got this law, you know, from God, air quotes here. He called it a ministry of death. Because you like, have to follow all these mm-hmm. rules and regulations and you're bound to the law. And he's like, if that caused Moses' face to be so full of glory that it blinded those who didn't understand, how much more will the spirit of life, the ministry of the spirit and of life, have even more glory? This is all emphasizing life over death. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, that's old, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed in glory. That means it's much better, right? Indeed, in this case, I was just laying this out there, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. What y'all used to see is cool fails in comparison because it goes on to say because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses. Literally, Moses was like the thing to these people, okay? Moses, Abraham, all these characters were put on the highest pedestal. And he's like saying like, Moses has nothing on this. He says right here, where does it go? Where I just lost my place. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. So this is saying quite literally, Moses veiled his face so they couldn't see the end that was in sight for them. They couldn't see their death awaiting them. They followed this law to death because that's all they knew. They were blind to the spirit. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. They're still under that same old law, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's powerful. And to me, when I read that, this this is talking about salvation itself here, okay? This goes beyond just, oh, blaspheming the Spirit. It's basically saying once you get a glimpse of God, it doesn't even matter, God came for all of you, but once you can get out of that, once you can pull that veil off, it's like, oh my word, look at the freedom I have in Christ. I'm no longer bound by these ignorant laws that were meant to keep me uh, on some kind of, you know, this, this direct path. I'm no longer having to follow this exact ritualistic thing because, and it all comes back to this. God's not putting these laws in place of man. Man put these laws upon himself. So like the sin that is unpardoned is basically denying that freedom for not only you, but for other people. Right. To me, it is denying the Christ in each other. It is denying the freedom and the humanity and the beauty that is of the spirit, the spirit of life that the that breezy breath, the breath of life itself, it is denying Christ and to in rob each people other. of their joy and their love. That is my opinion. Yeah, my opinion is to grieve the Holy Spirit, to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, 
is to do that against somebody else. Right. Because if, if we all have the Holy Spirit now, right? When Jesus left, all these religious people uh, were looking at Jesus saying like, oh, you're doing this in the name of Satan. And he's like, no, you just blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Like quite literally when you have, when the Holy Spirit's available, you're going to get this. But like, I'm doing this through God. And so now that we all have access to the Holy Spirit, everyone, we can look at each other. And so to deny and claim that the beauty around us is satanic, to claim that someone is a bad person, to claim that someone is evil or someone is is dark or to, 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 to deny the life that they have and the redemption that they can hold is to deny them, uh, to deny the spirit that he is capable of, of love. Well, and it's pretty telling that once again, Jesus was talking to the over-religious people and people who like put, put their religion above God and put their worship of God above God. And why would somebody do that? Well, all, all these religious people, even today, all these religious people don't want other people to have freedom. Mm-hmm. It's either my way or the ho- highway. You have to follow this law. There's no freedom in that. And they didn't want that freedom for other people. Yep. And so being a religious person, you would know that that wasn't demon, that that Jesus wasn't demon possessed because you preach and teach and believe and and uh, in, in your religion. And so, of course, you're going to know that's not demon possessed. But to call it demon possession of Jesus's workings it is to deny those people that you didn't like that freedom. Mm-hmm. the lesser people of that community, that freedom of God. Well, and it just reminds me of like, like once again, Jesus was talking to the most religious of the religious, right? They the, were the, the most holier trained. Than now. Yes, they, they knew more than anyone these workings. So much that, like he said, there is a veil, or I guess like Paul said, there is a veil over their face where they're incapable of seeing the truth. When they see that truth, it'll be like that veil is ripped off of their eyes. Because uh, all they know is to follow the works of Moses and whoever. It, it's literally looking at so much so, do we still do that? You know, we go to churches. How many times have we? I mean, I grew up feeling condemned for the idea of a tattoo. I grew up feeling condemned for all these little petty things. And focusing on those sins, this goes back to this too. Focusing on the sin is to lock yourself in the nature of sin. To focus on, we need to be focused on the life, not the death. The ministry of life, not the ministry of death. It's not, look what you're doing that's going to send you to hell. It's, look how to have the vibrant life promised to you. It's, it's quite literally the joy of the Lord, the, the liberty, the freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're shifting your focus from death to life. Right. And so blaspheming the spirit, in my mind, is to rob the spirit of that life-giving freedom. It's to rob someone from experiencing that life through Which, you. The greatest commandments is to love God and to love your people. And Jesus is saying, like, you don't have to love me. Yep. Like, you can blaspheme me. But essentially, you have to love other people. Well, and if this sounds like hogwash to someone, it kind of goes back to this right here. If it's not about unity with each other, if it's not about love, if it's not about giving life to your brother and sister, why would the Holy Spirit choose us as its habitation? If you wanted to blaspheme the Spirit— and you go and burn a church down, that doesn't even matter because that's not where the spirit that's is. That's not church. The only way to assault the spirit of Christ is to assault its temple. And its temple is, is us, you know. Yeah. You know, it says in First Corinthians six nineteen, what know ye not that wow, I didn't realize I was doing King James here. Sorry. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
you have, which you have of God, are you not your own? So basically you are your own temple of the Holy Spirit and to come against someone else and rob them of that is in essence to rob some, to belittle someone, to, to tell them that they're, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. And this, not trying to get into splitting hairs here because this opens a whole other gateway of conversations, but that is in essence it. You know, we are the temple of Christ, of not the temple of Christ, the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So it has to be toward people because that's where the Holy Spirit is. I'm not going to go, uh, what's a stupid analogy? If there's a tree out in the forest that I, that is, that I want to burn down because I don't like it, I'm not going to go to the desert where the tree isn't to do that. That's foolishness. So I, I would go find that tree and burn it down. The same way of like, if you want to find the Holy Spirit, you have to go look in people. Which I was going to say, like you said, bringing it back the first one of like, it kind of makes sense where some people get the idea of murder. Mm -hmm. That's uh, what I was saying. That's what else. I was saying. Yeah. is like, in essence, I don't think that's unpardonable because that is... The physical death. Right. Well, and and I don't think someone who is at the place of murder can understand and this kind of goes to the whole thing of like it's impossible to do it, right? I don't think someone who is capable of murder is mentally understanding. They haven't had that veil removed to even understand that the, the life in someone else. They've been robbed of that life themselves. It's kind of like where uh, Christ said, or when Jesus is talking later on, and very similar, I think it's actually further down that same verse where he's talking about how if Satan casts out one spirit, it goes and brings back seven more type thing, like to strengthen its house. I feel like someone who's in that place, that that's a very good analogy of them. Like they're not full of the spirit and you cannot see that which you do not have the lens to look through kind of thing. But I just kind of want to go to this and this is talking about the church, you know, the church being a body of believers, you listening to us right now, we are the church. This is in a building, whatever, but it's also in first Corinthians for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body through many, Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we all have been baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We jointly share in the Holy Spirit together. It is a unity. Quite literally, the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is to our spiritual selves that social media is to our addicted brains. It, it, it's like that thing that, that we all use to stay in communion with one another. That is the Holy Spirit. And to deny the, 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 and I'm not saying you have to like put up this, you know, once again, this isn't, don't take this to let you get put into situations of, of hurt and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying that, but to deny that even those that hurt are, are actually just broken and to, you know, to, 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 to deny the spirit in someone else, to deny that unity, to, to disunify yourself with those around you uh, is, in essence, blaspheming the spirit. And while I don't necessarily think it's that completely, because I don't think people who are in that position understand the spirit completely, I, I think that it's a scary thing for a lot of us who are within confines of religion, because so often the churches teach us that those out there are scary. Those people who are not awakened to that spirit in them, they're bad. And in essence, by denying the breath of life in them, 
we're kind of denying. Well, it's the us versus them mentality of we have it figured out. We have all the answers. Those people are bad. They shouldn't even given be given the opportunity to be good. Essentially, Mm -hmm. we're going to block them off. We're going to cut them out of our churches because they believe differently or act differently or look differently because we have the answers and we're right. 100% of the time, no question. And on the flip side, people out of the church who view those people in the church as ignorant, unawoken, whatever. It's the same thing. And don't allow yourself to see the God in them. You know what I mean? Like it goes both ways and it goes everywhere. It's, it's in my opinion, it's about, it's about unity. And so that, that's my take on it. Uh, and like I said, it could be a mixture of those things, but ultimately it's not something that we even need to consider much of if we are acting in the love God, love others that, that, Still, those are the ultimate things, you know, act on those things. And by golly, we're going to get it right. Uh, it reminds me of watching a Christmas carol to bring it into the season. You know, even old Ebenezer, like waking up to realize like he screwed people over for his entire life, but it doesn't rob him of, of a redemption arc where he can begin to see the beauty in those around him and realize that this spirit of Christmas or the spirit of Christ isn't this superficial like BS there, there is a unifying factor that while it may seem strange on the outside, there is a joy, just this, just raw. uh, It's like digging a piece of gold or a diamond in the rough. Like it may not look like much, but at the core of it, it's, it's, it's a precious gem. And so that's what I want to leave with. We love, we would love to hear your thoughts on that. And dear listener, uh, we hope that answered your question well. Shoot us a message if it didn't, and I appreciate you submitting that. If you have a question or thought or want to hear a topic talked about, I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to answer your question because uh, I do not want to pose as if we have all the answers, but we will do our best to talk about it and present some... Well, and these are honestly our favorite conversations Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. So if you have anything like that, find us on Instagram, find us on TikTok, at underscore TRP podcast. And, uh, or email us, mail at com. Elaine and I both get those. That is a joint mailbox that we share. Uh, or find us on Facebook, Nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions. And, of course, you can find access to all of these things over at com. We love you guys, and as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll, we'll talk see. soon.